0: Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me. We're going to go to a few places in Scripture uh, this morning. But uh, as Julian mentioned, I want to begin this series entitled Taking Out the Trash. And yes, I do hope you were not saving your trash at home to bring to church. Um, but. You know, I have a. I happen to have a trash bag here today, and uh, hopefully, this will serve over the next few weeks or so to be our uh, our prop, so to speak, that we are to be reminded. Now, I've got nowhere to fasten this, but that's all right. We won't keep it hanging on the front of the pulpit. That would just be completely and totally inappropriate of me. Um, but. You know, we want to take out the trash. How many of you enjoy taking out the trash? I thought so. And in fact, uh, in my home, I I have a, a tendency to do, you know, the typical man thing when it comes to the trash. It is, it fills up, and I get something, and I press it down. I press it down, and I make room for more trash, more junk. Now, ladies, you don't do that most of the time. In fact, it fills up. It's time to take it out. And invariably, we men, we husbands here, honey, will you take out the trash? But it's not full. Yeah, but it's full enough. But let me press it down. No, but it stinks. It smells. It doesn't smell that bad. You keep the lid closed. You know, I mean, we, we have these kind of, Now, I'm not saying this happens between me and my wife. She's not here to defend herself this morning. But on occasion, I suppose, we have had that kind of a discussion. Now, there does come a point where even my nose can't stand it. And I know that it's time to take out the trash. Now, it's not a difficult task, is it? I'm not hearing any amens, and you say, but, but am I supposed to say amen? This is like not the spiritual part, but, but it's not a difficult task, amen? And all the men said, <clears throat> yes. see, you see where we stand on the issue, don't you? You see where we stand, in fact, it is it is terribly easy to take out the trash, but When I'm talking about taking out the trash for us over these next few weeks, it is that there are going to be things that I believe the Holy Spirit is going to want to say to us. Now, we could go in a number of different directions with this. And I, as I mentioned, Tuesday night, I'm not sure that I want to tell you what's coming next because I want full attendance I don't want, you know, I don't want somebody to say he's going to step all over my feet next week. I'll just, <coughs> you know, stay home, you know, uh, up late last night, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> I, I want us to, to be a part of this. And the reason I do is because no matter how long you have been a Christian, no matter how long you have been saved, there is always something. You know it's like what Pastor Impaglia he used to to tell us that his father-in-law my wife's grandfather used to used to say in Argentina when he was with him years ago he would often say that there is something that we all have in our lives that is not convenient for us to have. And while that may be true I believe that he was certainly never excusing I never had the privilege of meeting him I know him to be from what I've heard, he was a man of God and he was not excusing anything. But it is that we might have mercy in dealing with other people. But that is not to excuse the things that are on the inside that we know we need to deal with. And the Holy Spirit from time to time is going to put his finger on things in your life. And he is going to say, it's time to deal with this thing once And for all, it's time for you to take care of this thing now and to eliminate it. It is time to take out the trash. And I know that this may be, for all intents and purposes, somewhat heavy (coughs) for some of us. There are things that we will hear about that we don't want to hear. It's an amazing thing. The amens get really loud when we're preaching you know, all those up things, all those things that make us feel good and kind of tickle our funny bone a little bit and and make us, you know, bring chills up and down our spines. But when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to to speak, I don't care if you say amen or ouch, it really doesn't matter to me, but somewhere along the way the Lord is going to talk to you and He is going to let you know there is something that has to be dealt with and changed. And it's a very simple task. It is really, and when it all comes down to it, as simple as taking out the trash. The very first thing I want to deal with today, and I want to talk about, I was going to deal with something else, but then begin to just read a little bit um, about in the Old Testament what the Israelites did and how it was that they, as they came out of Egypt, and you can turn in your Bibles to Exodus, the book of Exodus uh, chapter 16, and as you go to Exodus chapter 16, you're going to find that today what we're going to talk about is I want to talk about grumbling. Grumbling. I think it's time to take out the trash grumbling. This is one of those things that Christians have the tendency to make a side issue of. No big deal. I'm just getting it off my chest, we'll say. I got to speak my mind. Be careful about that. Don't speak too much of it. You might lose it all. I got to just, it's just bugging me, and I got to say something. Do you really? Now, we're going to deal with, and over the next, I'm not sure, we'll, we'll maybe veer a little bit away from the sins of the tongue, but this is one of those sins of the tongue that has the tendency to invade churches. And as a matter of fact, we're going to read just a verse of Scripture. I, I don't have to, we don't have time to read the whole thing. You would have to read Exodus to really get the context. And I'll talk a little bit about the context of all of this uh, as it relates to the children of Israel. But Exodus 15 and then Exodus 16. And then we're going to go to some other places in the book of Numbers uh, Deuteronomy. We're gonna we're gonna deal with some other places where it talks about the wanderings of the children of Israel. Because really, when it comes to scripture, there is no greater example than the children of Israel when it talks when it comes to the idea and the 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 uh, the great devastation that grumbling can cause in your life. You see, one of the things that we have to remember is is that grumbling is not a side issue. It's not one of those things that just sort of, well, you know, the Lord is still working on me. But but man, I just got to tell you about my job. I got to tell you about my, my church. I got to tell you the pastor, man, he just, you know, really bugging me lately and really annoying me and, you know, my, my husband, my wife, we, we go on and on and on and really what happens is we begin to turn into these grumblers and these complainers rather than individuals who should be essentially lifting up the name of Jesus and the Bible tells us in different places in the New Testament that we are also to find out what will spur one another on to good works. And I got to tell you, it ain't grumbling about your brother or sister in Christ. First thing I want you to note about grumbling is that grumbling robs you of the blessing of praise. <laughs> it it robs you grumbling robs you of the blessing of praise. Now we believe in praise, we believe in being vocal about our praise. We we do that. We try to practice it. We we want the Lord to to just touch us. We know that throughout scripture there are all kinds of different reasons that we are to praise the Lord. But none of those reasons, uh, or I should say all of those reasons, while they are vitally important, we have to know that the devil does his best to try to silence your praise. And oftentimes we see this in the lives of the children of Israel. Exodus 15, if you just back up into that chapter a little bit, if you glance down at the page, I'm not going to take time to read too much about it, but when you read through Exodus 15, you find that this chapter is a response to their being brought through the Red Sea. They came through the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea for them that they might go through. The Bible says on dry ground, they get to the other side. They're standing on the shores of the Red Sea, and then they look behind them as God just causes the walls of water to enclose upon themselves once again, and Pharaoh's army right there in the middle of the Red Sea, thinking they can get in on the blessing of God without actually being his and belonging to him. They find that there they are drowned in the sea. And Exodus 15 is just this, this song of praise. They sing and they dance and they just they enjoy the presence of the Lord because. God has brought them through the Red Sea. God has done so much for us. Sunday mornings, we come into church, and maybe we come in and we're expecting, I I expected today, I expected with the extra musical help today that praise and worship was going to be easier. And in many respects, it was. It just it lifted us as we we worship today, and as we just sang, and and it was so much easier to be able to do that, but that's Sunday morning. Maybe you came in, you've had a tough week, but you've made it through, and you know, yesterday maybe you had a day to relax a little bit. Maybe you just stayed at home, and you were relaxing, and you know, kind of just, you know, just taking it easy and you feel a little bit rested you came in you're a little you're happy this morning you feel good and you were able to praise a little bit louder and and there was just this joy in your heart as a result of feeling like yes God has brought me through another week he has helped me through my situation but the question is what happens when you leave this building all the music has stopped What happens when you go home and you find that tomorrow a bill arrives that you weren't expecting? Or maybe the next day you go into your job and you find that your boss just hands you a project that has to be done ASAP, as they like to say. And I would like to quiz the boss when exactly does it need to, oh, it's got to be done, you know. And all of a sudden you you begin to feel the pressure and the weight and the the difficulty and all of it begins to weigh upon you. Or maybe in your home something happens with with your son or daughter or a friend or a neighbor or something else and and all of a sudden the weight of those things come upon you and now you find that the music has stopped from Sunday and, and now we're a little far removed from the presence of the Lord with other people around us. And all of a sudden now the tendency is not to go to the Lord in prayer. The tendency is to do what the children of Israel did. Look at Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2. The Bible says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, notice how soon it happens. I believe in in this passage of Scripture, it talks about and and it gives a time frame that essentially it was the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. I don't know if we can really grasp onto this and how soon it happens, but, but what took place was... They came through the Red Sea. I mean, they had never seen a a sea of any kind open. They had been in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. They had lived down there for a long time. Generations had come and gone. They were the same people who had cried out to God in Exodus chapter 3, God, please help us. And God said to Moses out on the backside of the desert, I have heard the cry of my people come up before me, and I want you to go and, and take my people out of Egypt. Egypt. God had something in store for them God had a plan that was better than their own plan they cried out to the Lord they weren't sure if God was even listening but they cried out to the Lord and God heard them and he brought them through a Red Sea and they get out on the other side of the Red Sea as the waters enclose around them and all of a sudden Miriam starts to sing and play her tambourine and somebody else joins in and they just have a wonderful wonderful song service because it's you know it's In the name of Jesus, we got the victory. And they're singing, you know, victory shall be mine. And they're just having a wonderful time. And then all of a sudden, they start to walk away from this place that they had found. Right at the end of chapter 15, the place, the Bible says that it was a place called Elam. And there was water there for them. And there were palm trees, 70 palm trees. They had some shade. If you've ever been out in the desert, the one thing that you desperately want is you want water and you want shade. And they had those things. But now, all of a sudden, God says, it's time to move away. And they weren't even that far removed from the events of what took place as they came through the Red Sea, having been released from their oppressors. And all of a sudden, they're out there, and they don't have food, and they can't find any more water. And I can't believe it. And all of a sudden, the praise changes. The praise turns into grumbling. All of a sudden, they began to, in place of the praise that was there, they began to grumble and complain, and the Bible says that they grumbled and they complained against Moses and aaron well they 're the leaders they 're the one who brought us into this place so what did you know what did you do, Moses and Aaron? did you bring us out here in the desert to kill us? Did you bring us out here to die? and some of these places they 're actually saying, and they say it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt, but you were the guys who were crying out god you got to get us." out of here. This is horrible. This is terrible. And now all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, but listen, we had lots of meat. You know, there were pots and pots of meat, whether or not that was actually true. But, you know, on on occasion, it's an amazing thing about how the, the good old days are so much more exaggerated than what they used to be when you were sitting there in the middle of them wondering, how can you get out of this? But they began to grumble. They began to complain and you see when you grumble and you complain something happens your mouth is filled with something that causes the devil to be able to distract you from who God really is your mouth is filled instead of being filled with praise instead of being filled with the glory and the you know magnifying the lord instead of magnifying the great power of god that they saw unfold in front of them as they walked through the Red Sea. Now they're magnifying their problems. The question is, when you grumble and you complain, you cease to praise God. Are are, Are you willing to just sort of sit there in the middle of your trouble and your problem, or do you want to get out of that difficulty? I want to tell you that the surest way to make your way out is to begin to take grumbling to the trash and say, there's no part in my life because it robs me of praise. It robs me of praise. We need to be magnifying the Lord. This is why the psalmist writes, oh, magnify the Lord with me. That word means literally to magnify. It means to enlarge in our vision. (coughs) What do you do from time to time? Those of you who have glasses and you set them down somewhere and then you go to try to, I know for me, I try to read something. I, I have to run and I have to get the glasses. I can't see it. It magnifies what's in front of me. We are to do that, but you see, grumbling is nothing more than magnifying your problem. The people of Israel didn't understand that grumbling against Moses and Aaron and ultimately against God was not going to fix their problem. Grumbling, folks, is not a fix to your issue. Grumbling is not a fix to whatever it is that you are going through. I want you to know that scripture tells us over and over and over again, we find so many different examples in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament where we are to praise the Lord. And when we praise the Lord, it's an amazing thing that problems begin to melt away. You say, but pastor, if I'm just going to praise all my problems away, that's wonderful. I'll get on that bandwagon. But sometimes when I praise, the problem is still there. I'm not talking about your problem leaving you. I'm talking about giving your focus and your attention to somebody who is able to help you through that problem. You may have to walk through it. You may have to go through the difficulty, but God is right there to help you. We've got to praise him instead of grumble. Grumbling robs you of the blessing of praise. There's something else that grumbling does and is, I should say. Grumbling is evidence of a lack of faith. Grumbling is evidence of a lack of faith. If we truly believed what God said, there would be no grumbling and no complaining. If we really believed what God had to say in His Word, there would be no grumbling and no complaining. I'm going to cite, and you can go over there in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, because eventually we're going to land there anyway in chapter 14. But just go over to Numbers chapter 13. And the Bible tells us uh, this in Numbers 13. Uh, We'll start, let's just go to, let's start reading at verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I, I want you to notice this, here's what he says, I, which I am giving to the Israelites... From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So, at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These were leaders under Moses within the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 men who went in to spy out the land. But I want you to notice what he says In verse 2, he says, The land I am giving. That was a promise. God absolutely was promising to his people. Now it goes down and it gives a list of the names of all of these individuals who went into the land to spy out the land. Now go down to, um, let's go down to verse 17. The Bible says, When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on on into the hill country. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or, or not? Do you... Uh, do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. The Bible says that they went up a little bit later on, and and they they spy out the land. They see these these men and, who were giants. The Bible says they were they uh, they were the sons of Anak or the descendants of Anak that they lived there. These were known as giants, men who were giants. But then the Bible says this in verse 26. Jump down to verse 26. It says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. (coughs) They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there, are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live <coughs> excuse me, in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Now, Caleb knew where they were headed with this. As soon as... As you start to use that one little word, but, in your explanation, great country, great place, nice. Look at the fruit, huge. We brought back these grapes. Look at them. We had to have two men carry back this big, giant cluster of grapes. It's just wonderful, but, but, here comes, lack of faith, but. Now, the Bible says this. Then Caleb, verse 30, silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with them said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are grumbling brothers and sisters. It goes on and it talks about the fact that the further they got down, the more they began to grumble once again, and they began to complain. They had heard the report, and the report came back that this place, according to Caleb, was exactly as they had expected. It was a good land. It was exactly what God told us we should have and we're going to have. And we can go up and we can take the land. We can get in line with what God has said and know that God is going to support us all the way but then there were a few wet blankets sitting around saying, no, no, we can't do it because they're stronger than we are. You see, the idea of faith is that we see God for who He is, not us and our enemy for who they are. When God wants your faith to increase, He doesn't say, now go look at your problem. He doesn't tell us to do that. No, He he says... You need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, that no matter what you're going through, there is somebody who is bigger than your trouble. He is bigger than your pain. He is bigger than your sorrow. He is bigger than all of those things. But they began to grumble. They began to complain. Oh, oh, if only we had just, you know, we died in the wilderness. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But you see, grumbling is an evidence of a lack of faith. When, when you go from speaking what the Word says and talking about the Word and, and dwelling on what the Word, and you begin to give your opinion of the situation, you are bordering on a place that will rob you of your faith faster than anything else. Grumbling and complaining is not a faith builder, folks. It does not build your faith. Now, there's something else we need to know about grumbling, and grumbling is this it is evidence of a rebellious heart. Say, but wait a minute. Again, pastor, isn't grumbling just this little side issue that we sometimes have trouble with and we got to repent from every now and then, but, you know, God knows my heart even though I'm just going to, you know, let you have it when I get home because I'm annoyed at you or I'm annoyed at my brother and sister in Christ or I'm, you know, they I just they get under my skin and they don't do things the way that I think they should. You know what that is, folks? That is an evidence of a rebellious heart. And I figured I'd get no amens on that one. It is evidence that there is something that is against. You see, the Bible says anytime the people of Israel began to grumble and complain, they grumbled and complained, the the words are used this way, against Moses and Aaron. They grumbled against God. What did you do, bring us out here in the wilderness just to let us starve, let us die? It'd be better for us back in Egypt. Was it really? You guys were the guys who were saying, God, get me out of here, because you were living in slavery. That's not better. At least now you're free, and you're free to worship God. You're free to give God your best. But no, no, oh, no, we're out here in the desert. We're going to die. Grumbling is evident. Turn to Deuteronomy. Keep your thumb in, in Numbers 14. We're going to go back there. But go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and I want to read these verses of Scripture. You see, we live in a day and age where it's okay to be rebellious. You know, we've had teachers, you know, back in the 60s, 50s and 60s, it became more prevalent in the universities for professors to teach that it was all right for the young people of the generation to rebel against authority. You know, this country, we have great freedom, incredible freedom. Freedom to say what we want, freedom of speech, freedom to do whatever. And all of a sudden, people started rioting on college campuses. People started dying. Hmm. Not so sure we meant rebelling in that sense. Well, what did you mean? Because rebellion is rebellion. It doesn't matter how far you go with it. When you rebel against authority, you rebel against it, It's an amazing thing. The, the young college kids who are part of all of that are now the leaders of the country. I wonder how they feel about it now. God has always had an opinion on it, folks. God has never changed his opinion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's 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 his equation of it. Oh, but I don't like that leader. I don't care. He may be the, the the leader of our country. You may not like him, but you got to pray for him. As a as a Christian, we need to pray. You may not like the, you know, so so and so. You might not like the mayor of the city, but you got to pray for him. You might not like this person or that person, but it does not give us the right to grumble about that person because it's an evidence that we are rebellious in our own hearts. God does not work with rebellion, folks. He works with submission. Deuteronomy 1, 26 and 27 says this, but you were unwilling to go up. That is, go up to the land that I was, had given you. Part of that... He's referring to what we just read about in Numbers chapter 13. He says, and this is really, Deuteronomy is essentially Moses' uh, exit speech, as it were, his farewell speech uh, from the scene. But he says, you are unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Did you see that? You grumbled in your tents. We're going to get to that one in just a minute. You grumbled in your tents. And said, the Lord hates us. Wow. Are you kidding me? He opened the Red Sea for you because he hates you? <laughs> he, he swallowed up the Egyptians as they were chasing you because he hates you? He says this, you said the Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. In other words... The people that that the 12 spies saw in the land who were bigger than us, more powerful than us, except for Caleb and and Joshua, they didn't say that. He said, those 10 spies who said, you know, look at all these guys, they're bigger than us, and the Amorites, they're going to just destroy us and walk all over us. But the Bible indicates here that they're grumbling, verse 27 is related to rebellion in verse 26. You rebelled against the command of the Lord. When we let our mouths go, folks, we had better check our hearts and pray as the psalmist prays, search my heart, O God, and see if there will be any wicked way in me because I got to tell you today that grumbling is nothing short of wicked rebellion. Oh, Jesus, help us. Grumbling is nothing short of it. You say, but pastor, come on. We all do it. You know that, right? Everybody does it. I don't care what everybody does. If I'm, pre- if I'm not preaching the word today, then you can take it and you can throw it away. But I believe what we need to do is we need to take the idea of grumbling and we need to put it in the trash. We need to take out the trash of grumbling. Now, there's something else that grumbling does. Grumbling robs you of blessing that God wants to give. Go back over to Numbers 14. Numbers 14, grumbling robs you of the blessing that God wants to give. Numbers 14, and I want to read verses 26 through 30. The Bible says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord. This is, this is a whole other part of this message I didn't touch. I was, I was almost afraid to touch it. But listen to what he says. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. This is like the only thing I can equate it to is prayer, but the wrong kind of praying. They said to the Lord, they said about him, God, it would have been better for us to die in Egypt or in this desert. A little earlier in this passage, they said that. It would be better for us to die, whether it's in Egypt or die in this desert. And here now, God is promising to them that He is going to do exactly what they have requested of Him. Kill us in the desert. Let's, let's go on. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse 29. <clears throat> the Bible says, In this desert, <clears throat> your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, Who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Notice this, who has grumbled against me. Not one of you, now here is the blessing that God wanted to give them all. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hands, a hand to make your home except Caleb, son of Jephunah and Joshua, son of Nun. Verse 30 was, I wanted to give you the promised land. I wanted to bring you into this place. But here's what happened. You let grumbling rob you of the very blessing that I wanted to give you. I wanted to bless you more and more, but all you had was bad to say about me. All you did was call into question what it was that I was going to do and how it was that I was going to take care of you. We don't see any water. We don't see any food. Oh no, you're going to kill us here in the desert. It would have been better for us to die right here in the desert. And yet that whole time, you know what God does? He provides man. For them, he provides quail for them, he brings them to places where the water is bitter. So, he instructs Moses to, you know, throw in a few branches of, of, of this bush, and all of a sudden, the waters were made sweet. There's no water, but look at that rock. Moses struck the rock, he struck the rock, and outpours water for them to drink. Brothers and sisters, God takes care of them every step of the way, and yet they say it would be better, Lord, for us to just die right here in the desert. Some of us, we get down and we get discouraged as believers and we think, oh God, be better for me to sit here in my home and just be depressed. And I want you to know something, as long as you begin to grumble and complain about that, you may just do that. Unless you can get yourself into the word of the Lord and find out that God's got a better plan for you, He will He will bring you through, He will help you. Yes, it may be tough, it may be difficult, but I want you to know that grumbling will never bring you into the blessing of God. It will rob you of the blessing of God for your life. He wanted to bring them in. Be careful what you grumble for. Oh God, you just kill us in this desert. Well, God, you know, most of them I believe they died of natural causes. God, you know, there were the really rebellious crew that God had to take care of one day, who was was part of the the rebellion of Korah and the sons of Korah. He had to he had to take care of that crew immediately because rebellion is no joke, folks. But, you know, the, the, the grumblers and the complainers and they, they, all of that, they just, you know what, they just wasted away in the desert. They just died, died of natural causes. But the question, the thing is, is that God wanted to bring them in. You know, the amazing thing about all of this and the chronology of it all, as you read through the, the, you know, Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you read through, through those books, and it talks about the wanderings in the wilderness. Do you know that it only should have taken them about 11 or 12 days to get from Egypt to the promised land? 11 or 12 days it should have taken. And it took them 40 years. 40 years. Why? Here's why. They didn't take out the trash of grumbling. They didn't take out the trash. Someone once said these words. They said, to swear is wicked because it's taking God's name in vain. But to murmur or complain is likewise wicked because it takes God's promises in vain. It looks at the promises of God and says, God, you don't mean it. When we grumble, we are robbed of a blessing because essentially what we're doing is we're saying, God, you didn't mean what you said. You're lying to me. Now, I don't think there's anybody in this room today who would ever point our fingers at God and say, God, you're lying. No, 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 no. But we grumble. And when we grumble, We're saying, God, you don't mean it. You don't mean that you want to bless me. You don't mean that you want to pour out in my life a blessing that I cannot contain. And I'm not talking about financial things or, you know, things of areas of wealth, you know, the the whole health and wealth gospel that that can kind of get into to things I, i'm not about that I, I i believe with all my heart that when god blesses us sometimes there are blessings that go that that go beyond all of those things that are better than all of those things but when we grumble and we complain we rob ourselves of that blessing there's one final thing about grumbling that i want you to see and we then we're going to end up about how we can defeat it grumbling is always seen and it's never hidden. Go back over. I read the verses of Scripture. I don't know if you're still there. Let me just read in Deuteronomy. Why don't you go over to Psalm 106 and verse 25? Just go over to Psalm 106, verse 25. And I'm going to read Deuteronomy 1, verses 26 and 27 again, because there is something here that God knows about and that He sees. And the Bible says this in Deuteronomy 1, verses 26 and 27, but you are unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Now notice this. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Psalm 106, verse 25 says the same thing. It says, they grumbled in their tents. And did not obey the Lord. You see, there were times where they grumbled against Moses and Aaron to their face. They got in Moses and Aaron's face and they were just as rebellious and they were grumbling and they just, you know, complaining and, and the whole deal. But you know what? It didn't stop when they left Moses and Aaron. They, they they get all up in his face, and this is this is the age we're living in. Listen, there are pastors who walk into churches on Sunday morning and they can expect a fight from their congregation. What a horrible thing. Absolutely, absolutely devastating to the church of Jesus Christ. They walk in and they expect a fight. But you know what? It's not even the fight in front of them that really, because at the very least, you kind of know what you're dealing with. It's the, let's go back home. Creep into our tents. Hello? Yeah. You know, we get on the phone. Oh, did you, you know, pastor seemed a little off today. (laughs) Maybe. I, I can't, I, you know, nothing I can do, folks. I, I pray for the anointing, ask God to bless me. I don't know what to tell you. You know, that brother or sister, did you see the way they were looking at me? Oh, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, if looks could kill. I can't believe they're that way. I can't, you know, I don't know what's going on in their life, but, man, I wish they'd pull it together. And it's all happening under the privacy of your own roof. There is no place that is private. God says, I saw you in your tents. I saw you talking in your tents. You did it to Moses' face. You said it out loud. But you know what? You took it a step further, and you took it home with you. And you, you essentially began to poison your children You began to poison the next generation that was coming up after because you had to say what you wanted to say. And you grumbled and you complained. The Bible says they grumbled in their tents. In other words, I saw it. God saw it. God saw what was going on. He saw the bad mouthing and the talking and and all of those things, and the grumbling and the complaining, God sees it all, folks. I don't walk home with you. I don't know what you say in your house. I don't. And sometimes I don't think I want to know. Uh, but God knows. He knows what goes on in our lives. He knows what we're saying on a regular basis, and how we call somebody up and we're we're bad mouthing a brother or sister in Christ. And I I, I know the amens are, are few and far between on this, but we're bad mouthing somebody because we you know we just we get annoyed at them. I. I don't care what you are. Aren't you glad God didn't get annoyed at you? Oh, thank God. How about the fact that God doesn't deal with us according to what our sins deserve? We are to show mercy to our brothers and sisters? It's time to take out the trash of grumbling. There's no need for us to post this anywhere. It's junk. Grumbling belongs in the trash. It belongs in the garbage. You can take your grumbling and take it to the trash. You say, but pastor, you've got a physical trash bag with the word grumbling on it, and you just crumpled it up and threw it. It's not that simple. Oh, yes, it is. How do we defeat it? Here's how. Be filled with the Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says and, and why don't you turn over there? These last few scriptures, I want to just get into your hearts and get in front of you, and we're going to close this meeting together. But the Bible says this in Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter five, verses eighteen through twenty. Ephesians five, eighteen through twenty. Be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I realize in a lot of circles, you know, different people have different views of the evidence of of being filled with the Spirit. That is an eternal debate that will not ever go away in the church. And yet, I find here, according to Paul, that... Part of the outflow of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we are to speak to one another in verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Do you see what you're supposed to fill your mouth with? You see, if you fill your mouth with what the Holy Spirit wants to control your mouth with and fill your mouth with... You will not have room to go garbage picking and pull out grumbling every now and then. Say, Pastor, it's easy on Sunday. We've got the worship. We've got praise and worship. We're around our brothers and sisters in Christ. But when I go home, you know, we have the tendency kind of, look at that, grumbling. It's not too bad. Let me just, you know, no big deal. Let me just kind of pick that on out and I'll just, that's mine but we can't do that. If we can go home and say, Lord, now that I'm at home and I'm by myself and I'm faced with another work week and I'm faced with troubles and difficulties. Now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to fill me with your Holy spirit so that I can fill my mouth. I can begin to sing. I can begin to make melody in my heart. And he said, but pastor, you don't want to hear me sing. I may not want to hear you sing, but God does. Oh, listen, brothers and sisters, you make music in your heart to the Lord. You make melody in your heart to the Lord. It is, it, it doesn't, the enemy can't get there with the grumbling. Be filled with praise. Psalm 78, or excuse me, 71 in verse 8 says this. The psalmist writes and he says this. <clears throat> My mouth is filled with your Praise. Now, just so you know, this is not one of those things that, well, let me spend five minutes of devotions. Well, you know, let me spend my devos, as they say. Uh, Let me spend those devos and let me praise the Lord. But then after that, I don't praise God anymore. Listen to what he says. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Say but pastor, my coworker's going to think I'm nuts. Let them think you're nuts. Let them think you're crazy. I it you know We've we've got to praise the Lord. We don't praise the Lord. We don't fill our mouths with praise. We're going to fill it with grumbling. We're going to fill it with complaining. There's going to be all kinds of things that we're going to say that's just going to, you know, we're looking around at our problems and our struggles. Oh, it's just terrible. It's awful. It's bad. It's this and that. And we just go on and on and on. How about fill your mouth with praise? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. (laughs) Fill your mouth with praise. Be filled with praise. Verse 3, this one's a really deep spiritual one. Get ready. You better get your pen ready if you're taking notes because this one, you got to remember this one. Here it is. Stop grumbling. (laughs) Just stop. Every now and then, I have to say that in my house. Just stop. Uh, You know, they're pastor's kids. They're not angels. And every now and then, you know, they get at each other's throat. Just stop. You see, you say, but pastor, is this really scriptural? Honestly. First Corinthians 10 and verse 10. Go there. Let's go there. Let's find it. And then I'll read James chapter 5 and verse 9. We're going to see the same thing. Just stop doing it. Just stop. First Corinthians 10 and verse 10. Here's what Paul says. And he just so happens to be citing the example of the Israelites. And do not grumble, as some of them did. Oh, and by the way, were killed by the destroying angel. Here it is. And do not grumble. In other words, just stop grumbling. Don't do it. Step away from the grumbling. You don't need it. It's it's not going to serve you. It's not going to help you. Just don't. James chapter 5 and verse 9. James 5 and verse 9. The Bible says this. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. But Pastor Is it really that simple? If it were not, God would not have allowed these New Testament writers to say it this way. Just don't do it. It's the opposite of Nike. Just, you know, put the swoosh the other way. Just don't. Just don't do it. Just stop grumbling. Don't grumble. And then the final thing we need to do is this. We need to pray. We need to ask the Lord to fill our mouth with good things, things that are pleasing and acceptable to Him. My first experience in a chapel service as a young 18-year-old freshman in Bible college, as I went to uh, travel to East Providence, Rhode Island, I was absolutely so homesick I could not even stand it. I I, I just I did not want to leave home. I realized I was, uh, you know... I was a mama's boy, I guess. I don't know what I was, but I got, to, I got to Bible college. I was so homesick for at least the first two days. No, the first month. But I remember walking into the chapel, and we had chapel service on this one particular day, and it was the custom. I, I wasn't familiar with it. I didn't know what to do, what to say, but it was the custom that at the close of the chapel that the, whoever was leading the chapel service would have the students, all the students, repeat this little psalm, Psalm 19 and verse 14. And if there is anything that you can begin to pray, it would be this. I would encourage you to learn this psalm and pray it as a prayer to the Lord. And at the end of that meeting, at the end of the chapel service, every time we had chapel, all the students would lift their voices and say this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I still know it from the King James. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Brothers and sisters, what we need to begin to do is we need to fill our mouths with praise. We need to fill our mouths with good things. We need to stop grumbling. Don't take the opportunity. It's not yours to take. It's not going to benefit you or help you. And then begin to pray, Lord, fill my mouth with good things. Fill my mouth and the meditation of my heart. You see, a lot of times grumbling starts in the mind and then it comes out of the mouth. If we can just nip it in the bud and say, Lord, let me dwell on the things that are good and that are right, that I would think on those things, the things that are noble and pure and right, then that is what's going to come out of my mouth. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but I'm determined to let grumbling go by way of the trash. It's not worth anything. It doesn't benefit you. It's not going to help you. And it's time to take out the trash. Because when you open it up and you give a little sniff, i got to tell you, grumbling stinks to the high heavens. It stinks terribly. You've got to get rid of it and get it out of your life. Get it out of your house and say, Lord, fill me with the power of the Spirit that I might be a blessing to those that are around me, let's stand to our feet right now.